morning, everybody. Happy Boxing Day and welcome to the wash up session with Academic Archers. Obviously, we uh, had a slightly different crimbo this year, given that we didn't want to lay waste to all grown ups over a certain age. Oh, hi, Vic. Very good. So, oh, yes. Look at that whippet. Loving that. Um, so uh, we figured that since we would all have been uh, you know, stuffing turkeys and all the rest of it, that the best wind down session today would be a conversation with Ambridge Commentariat Royalty. If you do not know of the, um, the phenomena that is Lucy V. Freeman, then you're in for... I can't see you. Can't you? You've muted, Nick. Oh. I'm wearing a T-shirt that says you're on mute, which I thought was peak 2020, but it does happen. So um, I, I need to do more. So, so Lucy doesn't just know about Ambridge. She does all kinds of writing and commenting and being a media person. So, you know, we will feed her with salacious ideas and, and uh, uh, all the rest of it as usual. But she's here just to talk about her new project. Da, 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 da. So we can't wait to hear about all of that. This is our, a very friendly forum. So um, as usual, Lucy will sort of talk for a bit. I've also got findings on the matriarch survey if, if, if we're interested. Sarah Mary has a fan. That is just about the sexiest thing I've ever seen. Right. Sarah Mary has perimenopause. Is <laughs> what Sarah Mary has. Yeah, hands up anybody who, is it just me or is it hot in here? Um, no, it's a personal summer. That's what Maggie Smith used to call it, wasn't she? Yeah, a personal she summer. We have the doors okay. open. Personal summer. Some parts of me are in Sarah Playfair's um, tropical background. So as I say, Lucy, this is a very friendly gang, so you can speak pretty openly. Um, we will, you know, keep your secrets. So uh, if you'd like to introduce um, Ambridge on the couch, great name, loving it. Is Karen in? Because she's we need we've got quite a lot of psych types that are clearly going to be running to you for um for slots oh jonathan hustler morning right sorry lucy yes hi um uh i carried on doing the monologues when i left Dumpty dum and i realized that although they were still lovely to do um, I really missed talking to somebody about the archers because you can have it all in your head, but it's like it's like talking to a neighbour over the fence when you sort of want to say, oh, see if she's got a new car or something like that. You sort of want to share the information and you can't um, when you're on your own. And it also makes it feel slightly less real. I don't know if you guys may be feel the same because you you all come here to talk about Ambridge so it may be a similar thing it becomes more real to you when you talk about it with other people because it becomes a shared experience and not just something you think that you've is living in your head so um I sort of and also I was talking with Harriet one day because we like we both like uh, therapizing friends and family whether they want us to or not and um, we realized that it was staggering that there has been so much has happened in Ambridge drug addiction child you know a child witnessing a the stabbing of his you know co living with coercive control long term um, broken family hundreds of different things and nobody ever mentions going to a therapist I mean Alice appears to have a, another yet another miraculous conversion if we from alcoholism if we believe that um it's something you go away to do in Ambridge it's like Eddie Ed Grundy disappeared got cured of crack addiction in two days and came back um so we just thought it was a bit bonkers that, that and, and because uh, Dumpty Dum and forums like this become the place where we all therapize the characters because we want to talk about them. So um, we thought that we would have a crack at, um, at putting them all on the couch and seeing what happens. And it does help that um, obviously Harriet is amazing at voices and can do everybody. There are certain people we won't be able to therapize uh like Shula because she she's tried and tried and tried and she just cannot do Shula so there we go um yeah Mike Tucker saw a therapist yes um but that was was that after he lost his eye or was that after Betty mm -hmm. I don't know um 
but yeah so that's why i did it so it's called ambridge on the couch and it's out on itunes and uh we are just it's just so lovely to be um to be able to talk about it with somebody and not feel like I'm going slightly bonkers on my own because we all feel like we're going slightly bonkers on our own at the moment anyway. Well, that's quite right. Um, yes, slightly bonkers on our own, uh, undesirable. Yeah, this has been <laughs> something that we've talked about an awful lot. As I say, particularly Karen, who's normally here, but uh, I think whatever. Um, it, you know, what kind of therapy do they all need? And how can they get it? And all of that. We had a brilliant paper actually at our Reading conference when you when you came to do the after yeah. dinner about a woman who'd used the archers coming through bereavement and it kind of reconnected her to her family. It was unbelievable paper um, about when she had she had two boys that couldn't talk but they could talk about the archers and it brought them back. I mean, it was oh. it was so emotional, wasn't it? Yeah. So she called that the archers as therapy. And then Karen, we, we talked about the archers in therapy and, you know, all that. So, so that's great. The only thing is, if they all go to therapy and become happy, will there be no drama? Oh, but it takes years of therapy to become happy, doesn't it? And also, she is a pretty, the therapist who is, the unfortunate therapist who is played by me very badly compared with Harriet, um, is, uh, is, yes, exactly. See, Sarah Playfair said Henry should have been given some professional counselling. Totally. Yeah, it's just madness that you'd... And Helen would be somebody who was totally behind counselling. She'd be having therapy for everything. The cows would be having therapy. There's no way that she would just, you know, no, oh, no, no, it's fine. You know, I know she's good at denial, but not when it comes to things like that. Really, really not. Um, oh, I did, I did, um, I did, so the Chris, I, I went on Dumpty Dum yesterday, it was broadcast yesterday, and um, we talked about this quite a lot. Um, and I've completely forgotten what I was about to say about that. Um, <laughs> oh, yes. And I said, oh, um, to Witherspoon, the psychiatrist, I just said, have you ever known anyone, you know, about to blow their head off in a cottage that then got better because their mum cooked them a cottage pie? You know, <laughs> going from complete suicidal psychosis yeah. through to, oh, William's a bit prickly. Yeah. It was Will. Yes, I know it's Will. Sarah, I know it's Will. I'm just saying that, like, you know, has that ever, you know? Yeah. That doesn't that doesn't ring true at all. You're right. And Pam's saying Elizabeth had a bit of therapy, which yes, she did. But again, it was three weeks. Uh she we had one. I mean, I know we don't want to sit in the sessions with them all regularly, but you know, people have got to understand as well that therapy is a long haul. It's years and you have like three breakthrough sessions in those years and they're the ones that make the difference you don't just bowl along and have a chat about yourself and then that's it you're all fixed and the thing that really pissed me off as I say you've been very you were very open on them about being a long-term user of antidepressants I am too despite this sunny demeanor it's very hard to keep all the show on the road all the time mm. and I think that the message that when you feel a bit better, flush the meds and kind of, you mm. know, whatever, is just bollocks. Because yeah. most people who start out on a route of, of needing medication, you have a few starts, don't you? Because you start off thinking, I don't want to be on medication, but mm. I need to feel better. Mm. And then after a while, you're like, well, this is just part of me now. Yeah. But there are there are sort of threshold points at which you'd be like, I don't see myself as a person that uses antidepressants. Mm -hmm. I see myself as somebody who's had, you know, and the only way you're ever really going to use the pharmacology to kind of be part of your range of what keeps you going is if you just accept, because there is still a stigma about antidepressants. My mum often says to me, are you going to come off those drugs now, darling? And I'm like, yeah, fuck would I do that? Mm. (laughs) And I did the first thing that happened to me when I went um when I went on them was three days uh, no a month later I went back to see the doctor I was just supposed to do and he said how do you feel I said I feel like I come out of prison and he said what do you want to do now and I said can I stop taking them and he yeah. said why that, why yeah. would you want to do that you've just told me you feel like you come out of prison yeah. and I said and it was partly oh good I'm better Ding! I'm not a weak person I don't need them um and partly it was just kind of right I've been self-indulgent I've you know I've caved in and now I have to be uh, strong again. And I thought strong and miserable or, you know, 
weak and happy. I decided to go for weak and happy and then decided it wasn't weak. Yes. Absolutely wasn't weak. Like a million percent. And bear in mind, everybody else, you don't feel that you need to overshare in this horrific fashion. You know, I, <laughs> I, I know where my... I know what I'm comfortable with in this area. So don't feel that you need to, even in the chat, don't say things if you're not ready, that's fine. I just, this this storyline, you know, maybe I, you know, I over-identified with, oh, Karen, darling, thank, thank God, thank God, thank God you're in the room. I'm gonna say the wrong thing. Apparently I accuse Rory of being gender fluid. I didn't mean it at all. Right, um, so, so, so Lucy, and, and again, please don't, we, we don't expect, you know, you to cut your heart no, out. No, no, I think, the more, especially people who are seen as upbeat, bubbly, uh, confident, any of those words, you know. Smiling clowns. Yes. Oh, you're so, but you're always so positive. And you think for everyone else, yes, for myself, no, but yeah. And that's what I mean. Like if I hadn't been on the journey that I've been on, which is essentially, you know, 30 years of, um in a sense resisting as you say like those those labels about myself then I could have just been happily medicated from my teens and it would have been fine because the kind of chronic depression that I have as I say for Elizabeth to just be like oh I really miss my husband and I've finished taking the medication I was just howling at the radio because again then it plays right back into mum saying do you think it's time now Mm. when you think you've had enough of being medicated and it's a bit like no, I'll probably be on it for the rest of my life. And yeah. that's, it's just part of what keeps me going. You wouldn't, you know, and, and again. Well, know. it's like, I, I, well, I end up saying to people, would you like me to try, I can try really, really hard and have better eyesight. So I'll take my contact lenses out and drive yeah. you home. Cause you know, it's the same thing. Mm. And yeah. I think, I think the question and, and, and the, you know, people then say, yes, but some people do just have a kind of brush with it and then can kind of reframe. And I say good for them, but actually, I don't think that that was a helpful message at all. Because, yeah. and as uh, you know, someone saying in the chat, you know, you take them for a bit, you feel better, and if you then go cold, ter- I've been there. You know, I was in um, in uh, Newcastle Central Station, like, oh, this is marvelous, swinging my arms around. I don't need medication, and then literally, it was just like a, it was like a sort of dream sequence from a film. This reality just literally fell away in large chunks. It was horrific. And that I realised that, you know, anything that I knew about um, it's only for weak people and all the rest of it had been so deeply internalised, I couldn't even access it to kind of refute it, which is why then the Elizabeth story was so bloody annoying because it was like, you know, sorry, I'm I'm talking more than you, please guest, say some things. (laughs) I think, I just think it's really important and I think, that what the archers does is allow us a conduit to talk about all kinds of things and and it it lifts the lid on things like I now I don't know about anybody else I didn't pay much attention to modern slavery I am now seeing modern slavery absolutely everywhere I go I don't mean literally seeing modern slavery everywhere I go but I was at a car wash the other day and I was thinking I wonder if these guys are actually documented I wonder if anyone knows that they're here you know I wonder I wonder where they sleep and I was at the garden centre and there was a caravan out the back. And I thought, oh, who's God. living in that caravan? Sort of, yeah, it's not, it's not. And that's true too, so I wrote the chapter for the new book about, um, about you know, and, and again, completely selfishly, when on Christmas Eve, we had the sort of beginning of the end of this storyline, thank God, which I think they got stuck in far too long. It's far too grim for, for 2020. When he said feeding the horses, I was like, woohoo, because that's the title of the chapter, which means the chapter will age better. Yeah. It's like obscurity, feeding the horses. So, so, so what I think was fascinating was, and, and again, you could, you'll be able to see it when the book comes out, was um, there was a huge sort of shift in how we counted modern slaves in this country prior to the Gangmaster and Labour, AA, GLAA, whatever it is. Um, authority being established and we went from thinking oh tens of thousands to oh yes well hundreds of thousands and a really deep look at the industries that are um, riven with these these work practices but what I also tried to do and this 
you know, this is the sort of Schindler's List problem that you get. You know, it's like you have your evil Nazis goose-stepping over there. They are bad and bad, mm. but you can't have then a continuum to kind of everyday evil because they are bad and, you, you yeah. know, they're obviously bad. Whereas with bad labour practices, we're already hearing, aren't we, you know, he some mad shit about how he thinks that he was some charitable kind of... But the continuum from the slaves through anybody who is precarious in work so yeah. um zero hours you know, contracts and all driver. That just like, yeah. yeah yeah zero hours poor mm. labor practices there is a continuum that starts with the slaves and goes all the way through actually the younger people in the village and in life yeah about how their work and housing are resolved as a triangle of things yeah and and it's too easy to be like Philip Moss is evil, the horses, it's yeah. horrific. Now let's move on. Like extreme precarity in the workplace is such a widespread phenomena that we need. So think we need to interrogate how things mm. get to us right across um, the whole. It's sort of like um, with the, sort of, I mean, I do think that in, in the last, I'm sorry, am I allowed to talk about things that happened in the last week or will I annoy everybody that, Oh, yeah, yeah, no. If it's been broadcast, we can talk about it. Okay. Um, Kirsty suddenly went from being the world's most unperceptive woman, no idea, blah, 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 hello trees, hello sky, to suddenly going within four, aha, modern slavery. And she actually used the word, you mean they're slaves? And um, so what are they, um, you know, so, but I did their wages. So where are they living? So you go, call the police, you know, and you think, oh, hello, now you've got it in 12 minutes. You've just got the whole thing that we've been going for God's sake, for months. Um, so she did, in the, in, in, for Christmas Eveness, she did rapidly turn into Sherlock Holmes, didn't she? She just got it in the space of, in seconds. Um, and I was shouting with relief at the radio because I really didn't care. So that bit was a bit, they built it up really nicely, but the denouement was a bit clunky, but it was a similar thing, what you're saying about the, the you know, the bad people over here. It was like Rob mm. Titchener, because mm. Peggy Woolley was completely taken, what a nice man, what a nice, um, and we sort of uh, saw, we knew <clears throat> they didn't know, which always makes everybody feel very agitated, and that's why everyone starts going, oh, just you know, do something. Um, but it's sort of, with the Rob thing, they let it, they let the art go so agonizingly slowly. But with, and they, they tried to do the same thing with Kirsty and Philip, i.e. look, he's not bad because he is a nice man. Look, he's building the playground. And he honestly thinks that he is, he's doing these guys a favor. Mm. Or, we are led to believe that he honestly thinks that. The fact that he was so impressed by that gang lady's car, you know, I sort of thought, but you know where the money went. Anyway. But I sort of, they did the arc so slowly and so beautifully and then wallop, it was all finished. Then, you know, new lights, you hear the sirens in the background. Oh, he's going to be arrested. Da, da, da. Yes, officer, it's me that you're looking for. And you think, oh, okay, that's the end of that then. It is horrific, and and again, again, you know, the sort of, and also, um, you you get a bit of a clue, don't you, when they have these really hard hitting big social issues, because the charities that they work with often post things. So, the yeah. GLAA had put that horrific feeding the horses um, thing online, and you know, you know very well that they've really over, you know, overdone it in a sense yeah. in terms yeah. of kind of going deep in, but then they get yeah. stuck. And, yeah. and I think that was true of Helen and Rob, and I think that's true of this, is that, mm. um, and again, of course, we, we're party to everybody's sort of 360 views on, you know, the whole scenario. Yeah. But I think it is, I think dramatically, and I don't know if, I, I think I mentioned this before on here, um, the film Stranger Than Fiction, because little did he know is the kind of the dynamic behind most um, drama, right? Little yeah. did he know. Yeah. If you've got little did he know, then yeah. you've got something that you know that they don't yeah. know. Yeah. And that as a sort of plot device, as you're right, it drives people batshit, but yeah. it's also a way of kind of keeping, you know, the sort of tension in it. And um, sorry, I'm, I'm talking again loads. Lucy, tell us more things. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, should I do, are there questions on here? Should I do um, questions? Well, to be honest, so we, yes, let's, 
what do you think peeps do you want do you want to ask directly humans of the world yes it can be easy to justify poor conditions when the labor market is a race to the bottom that's nick's point about precarity thank you claire asbury you completely understand my point about precarity great but <clears throat> you are on mute um do you want I, to I found myself the other day there was a situation with one of my son's friends and a a family situation that I heard about and I was able to describe to my son who is 15 what coercive control is and financial control and how that's now part of that's now counted as domestic abuse and he knew I was so pleased he knew what coercive control was he said yeah yeah we did that at school we did that at school but he didn't know about the financial control thing mm. and I don't know whether because it, am I right in saying, if anybody legal is on here, am I right in saying that you, as a spouse, you cannot profit from the proceeds, criminal proceeds? So if Philip is arrested and found to have profited from the slaves' labour, then will Kirsty be liable for, if they have to sell the house, will she be liable for God, know, God knows whatever debts he's incurred or whatever? Um, because there must be a reason why they suddenly got married because that came out of the blue as well mm. we that would you know there must be a legal reason there must be for political reasons there must be a thing why well that I mean, suddenly happened the other thing, thing is, i'm not a legal expert on this but i do know from lived experience around the back she's in a really difficult position and even her having called the police it still wouldn't be necessarily seen as her innocence in this. There would be, she would really? a lot of questioning from the police in this. Absolutely, yeah. Well, I mean, it's classic, and isn't it? It's it would be the house, everything else, all everything would be seized straight away. Wow. So as someone said, well, Roy will take her, Alison said, Roy will take her in. People are still desperately hoping, aren't they, that Roy and Kirsty are going to become a thing. I wish I wish a woman could get together in Ambridge with somebody that hadn't cantered up on a white horse and rescued her. It'd be really nice if she could just. That's why I'm holding out for Jazza and um, Jazza and Tracy as well, because they're both as awkward as each other. Although I think Tracy deserves better, but you know. Yes, uh, Felicity's chipped in to say her doing the books could implicate her as well because you know she's. When, oh Lord! Even though she was doing the, the fake, fake books. Like you could look, you could easily, I yeah. mean, to be honest, let's, let's imagine, you know, DCI Jane Tennyson sitting across the table and just being like, you're, you go, you're supposed to make us believe that you that earn 12 pounds a yeah. year and you yeah. think you can live like this, come along. Yeah. yeah. I'm hoping somebody actually, because I mean, this is a real thing as well. And this sort of the feminist sort of stuff in me has been screaming at Kirsty for a long time, because I know that, um, you know, one's independence and where the money comes from for one's life is is one's own responsibility do you know what I mean yeah. like it's it's yeah. you know and this weirdness about like oh Philip you made a curry and oh Philip you've put yeah. the decorations up literally like come on I couldn't I wouldn't get I would get bored of punching her in the face it's like look just because of this sort of um you know a man done you wrong yeah why have you why have you slept walked through this I mean yeah long yeah yeah. And I don't know why the script writers, I know they, they love, uh, Annabelle Dowler is such a good actor and they know that they can give her anything and she'll, she'll, she'll do it. But I do think, stop picking on Kirsty. Could something shit just happen to someone else just once? It's, oh. Although one thing I did really enjoy was the link. So the conversation between Helen and Gavin, you are just like, yes, for fuck's sake, like yeah. patterns, like this yeah. is, this is yeah. what this is all. And again, I mean, I've ranted a million times about this, so apologies if you're all bored of me, but um, that thing about how they could have had Peggy as a survivor of domestic abuse, mm. a much higher place yeah. when her yeah. granddaughter was subjected to patterns of coercive yeah. control, which yeah. is the, contemporary version of getting a knocked about after someone who had too much stout you know the yeah. point is these things move with society yeah. why why i know sean o'connor was basically you know viewed by many as a sort of sociopath stroke misogynist but the point is like that echo through history it was so there it was you know it, having done yeah. the work yeah 
convert the goals for script yeah. come along but, i mean because peggy was able to identify in kate not yep. kate alice the same thing that she could see in her husband yep. you know i recognize i never knew where i could couldn't really believe in what he was saying she's very mistrustful of of uh, alice she guesses what's going on she knows something isn't right because something's dinging that familiarity but she, yeah and and she was taken in by um by Robin in the same way that she was taken in by her own husband, maybe. And yeah, we were supposed to believe that the class card and the, the fact that he was good at cricket and hunted and all that was supposed to trump. You know, I just don't don't fucking believe that for a second. Like it's a wrong is a wrong uh -huh. And even if you don't twig it immediately, so apologies yeah. to my sister for airing her life, but you know, we 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 liked her husband, it was all fine, but when it started to fall apart, you know everybody had eyes on you could tell yeah. you can tell if something yeah. you know and that's back to the female friendship side is that you know if you haven't got female friends that size up anyone with whom you yeah. share your bed then you've been and living it's amazing wrong how quickly it happened to a friend of mine and it's amazing how quickly that female group just goes zoop, as soon as there's an inkling and it's like None of you have any, you think that none of you have any idea that you don't like that person until you hear the first thing of uncertainty from the wife. And then you're like, right, what you need to do, do you have a separate bank account? Yeah. Set up a separate email account that's protected. And it's just this, it just coalesces around. Absolutely. And it doesn't matter what the thing is. Is uh. he a gambler? Does he take cocaine? Yeah. Is he yeah. shagging everything that moves? Is yeah. he so obsessed by his train set that he's literally in love with it? You know, the point is any yeah. form of obsession, yeah. it's the same thing. It's the same, yeah. you know, yeah. something isn't right. Something isn't yeah. right here. This is, you know, and again, yeah. every bloody woman I know, and maybe this is linked to the earlier point that, you know, if we weren't quite so bloody mad, we might not have the same forensic, but you know, you do it. I mean, Mm. A friend of mine, and I, I won't go into this in any, in any depth, but married an enormous movie star. And we all did it then. We were literally like, what's he out for? Da, 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 da. <laughs> Rather than be like, oh, yeah. amazing. Whole, yeah. The whole world wants to be in your bed. It was literally like, can you trust this? Can you trust yeah. that? I mean, I'm, you know, it's yeah. like, you just do it. But you and think it's what a shame that we have to be like that, that we have to be in this state of hypervigilance the whole bloody time. But, you know, history says we do. Right. Um, okay, humans, maybe you're much more relaxed about your friends' mates, but I think that would probably be a move. <laughs> I want um, to know who the film star is now, and you're not going to tell me, are you? Well, some people do know already. It's it's kind of insane. This is an aspect of my life, which is in Cara knows. She's gone, she's gone mute, so I'm coughing a bit. So I, my, um, one of my absolute best friends from high school, Cara's come back to laugh about yeah, me. Yeah, I can be bribed if anybody wants to bribe me. <laughs> With a clean pack of teeth Kleenex. And so my, yes, that will do it, actually, at the moment. That will do it. <laughs> you should be bribed for all the sorts. So, no, my, one of my best friends in high school was a little furry Lebanese girl called Ahmal Alamuddin. And uh, she all got a bit famous and stuff. And I went to her wedding and um, still... Wow! Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, it's about the top. It's about the top of the A-list. And that's what I mean. Even then, her old friends that had known her for 30 years were literally like, is this wise? You know, you just... Because I was told throughout the whole... This is... Where is this going out, by the way, before I start saying Well, maybe not very far. <laughs> I was just told that his interests lay in other directions. Ah, well, that's good. I mean... Good for her. So, I've talked to him about that because, and he thought it was a really important thing not to say how outrageous if he did like men, which he yeah. doesn't. Although, frankly, he was so prolific, I'm surprised he could tell at times. I mean, he literally, <laughs> one of the funniest things I've seen in my life is him putting his arm around my husband's shoulders and saying, You know, John, I've slept with more than a thousand women. <laughs> John being like, mm, Yes, me too. So, <laughs> sorry. This is this is taken in a completely un unfamiliar term, but yeah, I'm still really good friends with them. I was on the, I was on um, Facetime with them yesterday, and the point of the enormous clanging name drop is as follows: that you know, you still didn't trust him. Even that's well, the point. Yeah. If one of if some if a yeah. friend of your heart yeah. brings George Clooney home, yeah, you're still, and you're still going. Huh, well, I don't I don't care what he's bringing. I don't trust him. I know. <laughs> No, and I because we thought he was a playboy, and it turned yeah. out he was just totally reformed for for Amal, which is lovely. Yeah, but there was no, um, you know, 
everyone does it right you do your due yeah. diligence yeah and, if, and it doesn't even matter and as I said there's been a big chat online about um how cross I was that they used the same trope twice which was hmm Alice is lying to her grandmother is Alice having an affair hmm Philip is lying to his wife oh is Philip having an affair yeah. it's like there's worse things in fucking life than bonking yeah. somebody else yeah but not for most people there's a, for most people, that is the worst thing in life, I think. And it's the one that you would immediately, it's the most accessible. It's the one you would first go to, isn't it? Yeah, but lies, you can be covering over any, you know, yeah. again, arguably. But when you when you don't know where to go, when it's just a vacuum of, yeah. uh, you know, uh, I've been told that there's something going on here. That is, a, that is a, you know, a first place that you would go, mm. for sure. I tell you what I'm just thinking about, and I... I my eye lights on Gary Gilday. The first time I ever thought about coercion, coercive control was when I was quite young and listening to the Pet Shop Boys and the lyrics of Rent and thinking to myself, oh, yeah, there is something going on here of which I do not know yet. And when I'm grown up, I'm going to go and find out what the fuck <laughs> that is. <laughs> Gary, nod if you get what I'm saying. <laughs> Right. Um, okay. So, so name dropping aside. Sorry, everybody. Um, Lucy B. Freeman, tell us about your new gig again, just in case anybody's confused about how to find it. Um, it is on iTunes and it is, well, you see, this is a bit of an issue. It is called Ambridge on the Couch. But if you search for my name, Lucy V. Freeman, it is also there because I'm an idiot and I can't quite work out how to separate the two things yet. Once I can find a grown-up who will help me, I will do that, and then it will be much clearer. But at the moment, just search for Lucy V. Freeman or um, uh, Ambridge on the Couch, and it will all be revealed to you. And if you want genuine psychological insights, people like Karen Pollack have a very thriving practice in this department. Excellent. So Karen definitely exchange deets with Lucy because the last thing you want is to be clunky, isn't it? You want it to be funny and you want yes. it to be... But uh, it is, I mean, it is massively um, tongue-in-cheek and it is just me. In my other life, one of the things that I do is I um, coach people in confidence coaching. So I spend a lot of time trying to calm down hysterical chief executives who are having imposter syndrome issues and all that sort of thing so it's more that it's not really therapy the idea of it what does anybody remember mobile libraries the mobile library vans that used to drive around villages i used to love my um uh <laughs> you're right Catherine hoskins says somebody younger than an adult might be more helpful to i know i'm gonna go ask my son actually that's a very yeah good of course your kids come on um, tech support I loved, I love mobile libraries. Claire Asprey loved mobile, she still has one. I just loved it. It was like a refuge and an amazing thing for me. And I thought, why don't they do more mobile services to villages? And, you know, if Ambridge doesn't appear to have, well, it sometimes has a GP surgery, doesn't it? When Richard Locke- Depends if any archer women are interested in boning the doctor. What? Depends if any archers women are interested in bonking the doctor. Yeah. Yes. Then it magically, like so many other things, a housing estate magically appears and disappears. Um, so I think they, I think that that sort of service is amazing. And I love the idea of having a mobile therapist that just trundled around in a van. Mm. Um, so yes. Have you seen so the thing on, um, it's on Sky. So I saw it at a friend's house. I haven't got Sky, but it's Rebecca Front doing therapy on historical characters yeah. and it's the I don't know what it's called but I actually wet myself laughing which was so funny isn't it called in great great lives or incredible women or something like that it's, or is that the radio one I can't remember. no that's on the radio anyone know what I'm talking about I think it was a dream <laughs> and then I woke up and it was all a dream well, I had wet myself but it was a dream. <laughs> I remember that bit. Right. <laughs> okay, humans, um, we're going to open you up. You are not going to no longer be on mute. You may ask Lucy <gasps> B. Freeman about... There's a mobile fishmonger in Cambridge. I'm so jealous. There we are. A mobile fish fishmonger. You learn something every day. Thank you, Felicity, for this this great deets. Um, and I anybody, love the common reader, Ruth Halbron. Yes. Love anybody want to um, discuss these... The, the wide range of 
um, topics across which we have roamed. Mostly George Clooney. A little bit of that, yes. I, I, I definitely shouldn't have said that. Anyway, <laughs> onward. <laughs> Anybody? Come on, Gary, unmute yourself to talk about the Pet Shop Boys. Hang on, I've got a oh, yeah. very scandalous story concerning one of the Pet Shop Boys, but I shall remain silent. Hey, no, I've dropped my massive clanger. Come along. What? It's got to be sexual. Bring it. No. It doesn't have to be. See, when one's mind goes to sex, there are worse things that could happen. Okay. Come on, yeah. then. <laughs> no. I was joking. Outrageous. All right. What was I? What do you think about all this? Oh, no, he's gone. That was enough from Gary. Hello. Um, Hello. Sarah Kate Mary, you mentioned about female friendships and Helen not spotting things. I think that's really important. Can you talk to that a bit? Because I, I think that was a big omission on this one. Well, I've, I've, I have a bit of a bug. Can you hear me all right? Yeah. Yeah, thanks. Um, I have a bit of a bugbear about female friendships and I know that Karen does as well mm. um, and it is just they probably exist but we're not really shown them and the majority of the conversations because I did that conversation analysis the majority of the conversations between women are between people who are members of the same family that's true and while that's a positive thing there are very few really strong female friendships Helen and Kirsty have that kind of um, I mean you know the, at the end of the Rob story obviously that was that was a huge kind of peak in their friendship but it, then it's kind of dropped off the radar for the last for the next couple of years I think and Clary and Susan are the absolute beacon of high quality friendship and I think we all mourned when they briefly mm. had a breakup over Ed and Emma mm. and it's they just... fall out quite regularly though don't they yeah but not Clary seriously Susan, it's quite an antagonistic relationship yeah. yeah i think that's why it's really healthy i think mm. it's a really positive healthy friendship they do criticize each other and they disagree but they still come back together and i yeah, think that's right and i think that in they... my memory it was the longest time they hadn't been speaking yeah. and it was really sad mm. yeah, no, I um, agree. but there's just so few i mean jill doesn't really meant carol's not mentioned pat and kathy we talked about that yes. last week and it, it, you know that's just really it's, it makes no sense that kathy disappeared at that point well, it, I, mean, yeah, I have all the opinion. The thing is, so just to just for Lucy's benefit, the the amazing Dr. Sarah Kate Mary below did the Bechtel Wallace test on a big yeah. chunk of archers, and then when we got done over in the Daily Mail and all that, that was um that was her work, and it's the one of the big chapters in um, gender, sex, and gossip. And we were surprised because one does think of the archers as sort of you know around the arga chatting mm. but they were talking about men they were talking about men folk you know more yeah. often than being self-directed yeah yeah and absolutely the worst thing not to rehash the entire thing but the worst thing was that a third of the episodes i looked at in a whole year didn't have any conversations that were just between women mm. at all mm. which is you know, a bit weird, really. It is odd, though. It's like if you, as a woman, if you become friends with anybody whose surname is Archer, you're immediately written out. Yeah, you know, Usha, gone, uh, Kathy, you know, it's like you to be very careful who you get matey with because you'll just end up as, you know, um, oh, I've just heard from Kathy. Have oh, you? Yeah. What did she say? Oh, not a lot. Just fine. Well, that's, 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 that's just becoming insane now. As I say, we had Headley on last week. And it's just, you know, it's Kerry desperately like, oh, what does Kathy think? It's like, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Give but it also, up, Kerry. Also, again, it well. <laughs> I mean, I'm, and again, I don't mean to, I don't mean to harp on this, but had the Helen and Rob storyline been about Helen reaching out to other women that could help yeah. her and her mother reaching out to other women yeah. that could help her, then you've got a much less of a... Um, Philip is saying no, no, no. But that's the point is that exactly that they, they would have done their due diligence. Again, it's like the bit where she went to hospital and Pat was literally like, oh, lovely. You know what I mean? You know, I had my appendix out last September. You know, my mum and dad were on the motorway before they'd even been informed. You know what I mean? It's just like, you know, they don't, even if you're, you know, the, your daughter is a grown up, if her life is endangered, even for half a second, as I say, my lot would just be all, well, they were all over it. You know? I do think though, Pat has got a slightly, 
hostile, a slightly hands-off approach to her own children. Mm. And I'm not sure there's a lot of intimacy in that family. And I think Helen finds it really difficult to form proper attachments. I think she's got an attachment issue. And, and also when I interviewed Alison Hindell, who I've got a lot of respect for in, mm. in this territory, this is definitely, yeah. if she had had a longer tenure or been a yeah. situation, then they this would have been better. Um, she said that, oh, I'm not sure I entirely believe in Pat's feminism. I suppose that's our fault. And she said, if it was down to her or you know, words to that effect, essentially Bridge Farm is just a long running case study in grief and trauma because mm. having lost John, who they invested all their hopes in, um, but then that's slightly sick if you compare it with how cheap human life is in the, 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 the horse's storyline, right? Because, you know, they've all sort of been been mourning this sort of golden boy for 30 years. But that's, again, that's overly enmeshed and overly attached. It wasn't just that their son died, it's that all of the best part of them all died. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and it's messed up Tom, Tom then messed up Kirsty, or Tom's, Tom's messed up then had an impact on Kirsty. Mm. Yeah, I think, I think Pat's feminism, it's almost like she dumped feminism in favour of being organic. It's like, mm. she's a bit of a Gwyneth Paltrow. Let's just, what's new? What's alternative? I'll do that, you know? So she's, yeah, she's sort of like a slightly more intellectual Kate. So now it's, you know, rewilding and everything else is sort of, She's quite um, driven by, well, it's just sort of intensive guardian reading, left of centre, kind of jumping on over a bandwagon that she can. <laughs> sure, sure. And again, <laughs> and again, I'll start producing vagina candles, I'm out. <laughs> Very probably good. Probably Pat's vagina smells like a candle. It's probably the other way around, I don't know. Oh my God, Bridge Farm, where you can buy things that make your foof smell worse. <laughs> Along with the sewage reed bed. Mm, lovely. People eat there. Can you imagine? People eat. Oh. But I mean, I think in a sense, though, Pat's feminism is it's a legacy of classic ambrogitis, as in on the way in, you've got all kinds of strong characteristics. Look at Vince. Now, I would argue Vince is definitely here to stay yeah. because he's come in abrasive. And, and he's a new with... voice. He doesn't sound like any either of the... He doesn't sound like the bloody, what are they called? Uh, the brothers, the fair brethren. He doesn't yeah. sound like them. He doesn't sound like David, who sounds like Kenton, who sounds like Neil. Yeah. He's, like, he's a proper different voice. But also, he's like a Jack Woolley type. He's made money elsewhere. Yeah. He's coming in. I think we can all see that he's going to be the Lord of the Manor. Yeah. And he's going to be all the class universe of the, of the archers thrown up in the air. Uh, as he as he'll be in Lower Loxley, um, like a sort of um, Soho house, Soho farmhouse before long. <laughs> but but again, I would have said that maybe he wasn't going to stick around if he came in more quietly and softly. Yeah. So Pat came in like a Guardian reading whatever yeah. in the yeah. late 70s. So she had to be a Greenham common woman. She had to be da 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 da. But the point is, is that um, it's only if you're going to stay, they, they give you the, the extended kind of bad characteristics so they then soften off under the great influence of Ambridge. Like Joy. Exactly. If you're going to stay, you come in quite loud and annoying. Yeah. 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 You make a big input. You come flying in through the saloon doors, don't you? Absolutely. Do you ever think that they kind of, what's the word? They sort of, you get that you get like Kate is the Kate will be the new Lillian, Vince will be the new Jack Woolley. Is that us putting that on them, or is that part of the design that they need those archetypes so they just fill them up with the next layer of people? I mean, that I guess, and that the thing is that will remain to be seen when you know happy birthday to the archers. You know, it's made it through its first 70 years, maybe it's on a rolling cycle where we'll see it all, all happen again. again. And I think- I again, remember the first Lillian, can you imagine? That, yeah, that's part <laughs> well, of- just like your auntie. Da, 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 da. Yeah. I mean, that, that is, that's a sort of, you know, conference all to itself, it's kind of Ambridge archetypes, right? Because yeah. there is things that recur. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, interestingly, Jim Lloyd came in abrasive and never trusted Philip. Boom, well done, Jonathan Hustler, yes. you're absolutely right. Yes, exactly. He didn't trust Philip because Philip was a Brexiteer. 
wasn't no, it? No, he didn't trust Philip because he felt the vulnerability of the horses. Because oh, because he said, how are you doing this so cheaply? Um, no, he, I think before then, he um, Philip didn't have an appropriate appreciation of history. No, I think that's a smokescreen. I think there was something about, he didn't want him to do the work and he got in there anyway. And at that time, he was so suffused by his trauma that anyone else's trauma, he read it off like a hundred times more than anyone else would. And that's what I think happened. But, you know, maybe I just think about this stuff a bit too much. But I think that Jim got a whiff of trauma, which right. he could hear because he was traumatised deeply. Mm. I mean, God forbid, get him on the couch, mon dieu. I mean, you know, that was all done with extreme delicacy, I thought. Mm. But, you know, there's so so many services for survivors of mm. the horrors of mm. the institutions that we now know were, you know, messing people up you know but he's but he was offered he was offered that wasn't he alistair said i can find someone for you you can go and see somebody you should talk to somebody dad and he wouldn't he said no but that's kind of it is that they again that he found a way through it on his own which involved saving someone else which involved blah 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 and achieved closure prior to the death of this horrific abuser but i mean that let's face it we haven't talked about that for a while that was deep shit wasn't it i mean that was like when he was describing the, how he was groomed, it just had so much veracity behind it. Um, it was far, far off the beaten track of the stereotype. Because the thing that I think the thing that people find the most scary about grooming and about um, all of that kind of stuff is things like com the complicity of everybody around him. His parents just thinking, "Oh, this is a nice chap," and all that. They're sort of horrible um, layers of, you know. Sorry. You slid off your chair. Oh, no, they yeah, are. I just, I just moved because I just realised that my hip had gone to sleep. Sorry, everybody. Right. I remember where I was when I listened to the episode where Jim shared his story, yes. Aldi's Car Park. Now, this is the kind of international jet set we attract on, on Academic Archers. Uh, Karen Pollock has her hand up for a question. Oh, how polite of you, Karen. You should have just, you're all, you should have just unmuted yourself. Hi, darling. It, it, it wasn't so much a question. It, it was what you were saying about Jim, because I'd never thought of that, but I do remember he didn't like Philip. And I do it with clients so much. You talk about the threat antennae, and we actually think about, you know, little insects which have their antennae really, really heavily extended. And to try and sort of almost reclaim, yes, this terrible thing happened to you, but you now have amazing threat antennae, and you will be able to walk into a room and go, that person over there is actually a threat. And you got to listen to that, but you can also teach other people. It, it's not all Pollyanna glass half full, but survivors will know when someone is abusive. Absolutely. And teaching them, that's an amazing skill that they can, like, really kind of be proud of almost. I mean, that's right at the end of trauma work. Sure. But, but it yeah. It allows you to I take ownership of it, doesn't it? It allows yeah. to, to think, no, this is, out of all the shit you gave me, this is one thing that's mine now and you can't take that away and that's actually helpful for me. And the idea that Jim, the minute he met Phil, it would be, yeah, you would, you would harm young boys. I yeah, exactly. Would so, get that, again, yeah. You know, drastic oversharing the tapestry of my life. I know somebody who, oh my God, it's, it's basically like your average horrific cracker subplot. There was horrific sexual abuse within this family. It's one of these classic sort of survivor guilt things that she was never touched, but the sort of secrets and lies, it just has completely obliterated their family. And she, I mean, in the most lovely way, she's one of my closest friends, she's amazingly emotionally intelligent, all the rest of it. She recoils from people regular not regularly but a couple of times in the last 30 years she's just been like uh-uh and and her it never fails mm. she she it's you know she she can read if somebody has that kind of either perverted or bad intent or violent or so she she just can get it and it's and you know it's a version of your intuition and your gut feeling and everything being honed by and you're right it, it's reliant on and I don't know I'm more I've mentioned this a few times I think I mentioned it in my chapter the body keeps the score kind of thing is that this that trauma lives in your body until you're ready to bring it to the surface deal with it then as emotionally and psychologically 
And again, I think, and, and that's why I thought it was very interesting, this Alison Hundell point, you know, to mean that the un, um, undigested grief, compound grief that have been, has been working through Bridge Farm. Yeah. But then again, that's slightly gross when you compare to human life as cheap. As I say, these, these are things that I think, uh, you know. Can, can I mention two questions that I've got? And they, they're sort of connected. Um, when Henry was living with the dreadful Rob and the awful Ursula, there was a lot of hinting amongst fan groups about some kind of pressure, sexual or whatever, that Rob was putting on Henry. The BBC said, no, 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 we're not doing this, we're not doing this, we're not doing this. Um, I never quite believed that, but never mind. Jim uh, had no antennae worrying about Henry. And yet Henry was in a terribly vulnerable situation. Now, Jim apparently had antennae worrying about the people working for Philip. But did people in Ambridge talk to them? These were men who were in their houses doing their extensions. And did they say, do you want a cup of tea and a biscuit? Did they say, um, are you OK? Are you cold? Are you hot? You know, most people who have builders in their fam in their homes have some kind of connection with them, even if it's just to say, oh, God, I wish they'd finish. And this was going right the way through Ambridge. These were people doing work in fairly intimate circumstances. And Jim may have had antennae and not wanted to employ Philip, but did he actually click? And no, did no, anyone I'm worry what I'm saying. Henry? And I'm not saying that he's got like, a, you know, a secret sense. I'm just saying no, that. No, 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 I understand. But you would have thought that somebody in the village, even if it was only Pat, would have worried about Henry. Nobody's worried about Henry. Yeah. They were frustrated that they didn't have access to Henry. Mm. But did they worry about his welfare? I, I got and the school leave. allowed Ursula oh. to pick him up. Oh, no, Without I mean, any question at all. Yeah. Okay. I, I, mean, I, I have don't believe in that. I, I believe social services would have been involved with Henry right from the start. We all and do. I believe and, that people it, would have picked up that these men were not totally free agents. And these are blind spots, not just in society, but they're blind spots, particularly in Ambridge. And, right. Nobody in the hospital. I mean, you know, if you are ill and you go to hospital, you have that slight cringe that, I mean, God, John John had detached retinas and a nurse took me into the dirty sluice and asked, did we have a particularly physical relationship? <laughs> I mean, come the fuck along. Like, as if, I was, as, if I'd, as, if I'd, as if I had shagged him blind, I mean, come along. <laughs> sorry, 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 fellow I spoke over you. Karen, you've got lots to say. <laughs> Jonathan Hustler's laughing a lot at that. <laughs> Clearly that's, um, you know, right. Um, I, right. I just wanted... Oh, can I say yeah. a thing? Would yeah, you... of course. You're the Go guest. You're supposed um, to be doing this. <laughs> Firstly, I think Helen, the slavery and Jim was all about grooming. So for the last two years, all of these stories have been about grooming. And it's like the BBC has been given the spot, spot the groomer handbook and they're just going through it with every single sort of permutation of grooming. And to greater or lesser success and also I suppose Kirsty as well um but I think uh, I completely agree about the safeguarding thing with Henry because at the time then all that storyline was happening I was safeguarding governor at our local primary school and I thought are you kidding me I would have resigned and put myself in prison if I'd let those things happen to Henry you know being picked up by people and the school not having a clue what was going on at home all that stuff um and also Henry although all he seems to be able to say was he was actually quite intelligent and I'm sure he would have said something, maybe would have given some indication, even by the way he was treating other children, possibly. There was a little tiny bit of that, but not enough of it. But also, um, I think that I have now forgotten what the end of my point was. What do I think? Oh, that's right. About the builders. Um, I think Philip was incredibly careful to split them up and to... Um, keep them isolated as abusers do so that they weren't allowed to talk to anybody he would say to people don't distract them don't offer them tea I've got everything I'm looking after them blah 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 I think he was really really careful to to do that um 
and that's how he operated and that's how all abusers operate is to isolate and is to isolate and control and I think that's what he was doing and also they didn't do that much work in Ambridge they did work all over the place. I think that's the main thing though it's just exhausting to be you know either Rob or Philip think of having to have all those plates spinning like it's like it's like you've got a second soundtrack in your head all the time like it's not worth they think they're god don't they they think that they have the control of all this stuff and everything depends on them and the harder they 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 the harder they work and the harder they try to control the better men they are you know i keep all this going for everybody and blah blah but they convince themselves it's actually a a positive rather than a horrendous negative. Mm. And I think that that's another thing is that it this prism of control and power and male power, for example. I mean, we've talked several times about we did wrote the whole book on women in Ambridge, and that felt like a, a decent place to be. But let's face it, the Ambridge crisis in masculinity is absolutely horrific because you've either got you know, the John Finnemore stereotype of the weak, where, where all men are, are Icarus and all women are Cassandra, you know, so the men, you know, even Tom is a stereotype of a kind of hopeless, you know, there's yeah. a lot of hopelessness around, mm -hmm. but then, and I think you've said this before, Lucy, and or unless someone else did, and I'm just thinking that you're so wise, um, what you need is rapists and slavers and controllers from the people you really know. It yeah. isn't always the person from the other place, right? Yeah. And again, dramatically, it's far more, to, I mean, I realize it wouldn't be nice, although as we've discussed many times, the kind of the, who is the most fucked up competition at the bar of the bull in about 10 years is going to be, you know, <laughs> robust. Um, but like, that's the point, right? Is that, um, I've completely forgotten what I was saying. I'm trying to untangle a necklace at the same time as speak. It's going to be, so it's, it's, it's more than one thing at once gig here. Um, yes, Claire Asprey, you're right. Just before lockdown, we were in a race to guess who would rumble Philip, Roy, Kirsty, Linda, all in the running. But you're right, there was a lockdown element to this that has made it more agonising. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I didn't understand how Roy suddenly appeared at the crucial moment. No, there was carol singers, Grundy kids, wasn't there? But, yeah. but Roy, Roy had been talking to Kirsty a bit yeah. earlier, hadn't he? Oh, so he felt anxious about her. Yeah. And he just yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, I see. Oh, thank you. He was definitely was he just hoping it was going to blow up. I didn't concentrate. And I thought afterwards, how the hell did he even know to turn up? Yeah, he'd seen her at the show and was worried. Yes. Right. Also, I mean, you've got to you've got to admit the archers. The show must go on. I mean, you know, you're about to rumble your new husband as a complete wrong, and yet you show, you know, you still get up and you do your reading. Well done. <laughs> this is the kind of troopers that we are dealing with here. But do you think the police would have come if they hadn't been given a reason? Like all yeah. Kirsty said was call the police so all Roy would have been able to do is ring the police and say somebody's asked me to call you why yeah. I don't know no uh, he wouldn't have been able to get so I don't think the police would have been there that quickly no I, I think, think it was because I think... Roy was saying Kirsty was saying Roy I want you to stay and Philip was going no you have to leave Roy mm. so Roy could legitimately have said she feels threatened mm. if you say that you're under oh. physical threat the police have to come I think I have okay. to say I have to say given you know the absolute wave of domestic violence that we're kind of in with the lockdown and everybody's not being their best selves you know i i think that it's the only way to get the police to come is to say my friend is in her house her husband is angry i am yes. concerned yes boom blue light she's in danger yeah 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 that's right um right can i, can I ask a quick question again you i'm can sorry do what you like um does it you know Clary and Eddie, because we actually had the R bit, didn't we? Because it was Christmas Eve. So yeah. oh, hooray! We also had the R. And the R was uh, Clary and Eddie renewing their vows. Mm. Um, do you, does anybody remember them doing that before? My sister swears that they've already done it after Clary had a crush on a bloke on the French when she went to Meruel. Oh, excellent. That's got, the, that's got to be the that's got to be the 80s though the twinning story i mean that's a long yeah. time ago oh carl Jonas johansson says yes really no hmm you'd like to say more yeah. carl Jonas johansson um 
sorry, I, I'm not presentable, so I don't have my camera on. You look very like a dahlia, dear boy. <laughs> um, it's, it's crayfish from Sweden. Hello. <laughs> no, no I, I'm not in Sweden, I'm in Bristol. Anyway, um, I'm thought it happened in the noughties. I've, I've only listened since about 2001. And I'm quite sure that this story line has happened in my listening oh, time. Very good. Well, maybe we would. But just... I, I can't pinpoint it in time. But to me, that yes, they've done this before. Oh, so they're good. renewing. They're renewing a vows. They're renewing. They're renewing. But uh, it, I might just misremember. To to me, Sarah, you've done this before. Oh, very good. Well, that's helpful. No, I'd. Um, I think we just would. The thing is, the way that we deal with the Grundies in our brains. Yeah, where's Sally? Any point of controversy from the last 70 years and Sally's always like no it was bran flakes um we need Cosmo we yes he's also also very good and um and uh Leo is also you know fount of all wisdom yes I think basically if you think about the category that we have the Grundies in our head it's like the end of a, the jape that goes wrong is always the sort of coming right and the sort of warmth of family. They could have done it every year and we still would have, you know, the point is it's it, you, it's incredibly plausible that they would have done it, you know, at, at the end of an OED, you know. The point is that they are, you know, I'm going to stop recording in a bit. Yes. Um, well, that was an excellent morning, everybody. Thank you so much for all your discussions. Please don't tell anybody about my my A-list connections or anything else that's uh, and you know and we're going to we're going to um we're going to just put this out to the world and see what comes back it's been a lovely boxing day and we are now on the countdown of course to the 70th birthday next week so exciting so thank you all lovely to see you and love thank you for sharing your boxing day with us bye